Welcome to Victory with Paul Doherty, pastor of Victory in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services. Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Pastor Paul has a great message for you today, and I believe this message is going to make an impact in your life. All right, so we've been talking about putting fear out of business. Everybody say, I'm putting fear out of business in my life. If fear was a business, if it was a company, it would be the wealthiest business in the world. More people spend more money out of fear-based decisions than anything else. Fear drives people to spend money, to buy things, to do things, to try and uh, uh, settle those fears down, those worries down in their mind, whether it's you know beefing up security or increasing things to try to keep up with other people or that fear of, of failing, that fear of coming up short. I remember even just one of the, the seasons in my life was Y2K. How many of y'all remember Y2K? When, when, when our world crossed over into year 2000, all, all the youngins, they're like, I don't remember that. I was like a baby. All right, but for all of us that were born before that year, we remember December 31st, 1999. If you went to Walmart, a lot of the shelves were empty. Remember that? People were buying food, buying water. Why? Because we thought the world was gonna end. On January 1st, year 2000, the internet was gonna crash and it was all gonna go away. And so we had to buy enough food so that way once the world ended, we could have food after the world was over. And I don't even understand the logic behind it, right? But fear was driving decisions and billions of dollars are spent from a spirit of fear. And, and we talked about, you know, in the world, there's more than 10,000 phobias, phobias, fears, the fear of snakes, the fear of spiders, the fear of failure, the fear of what others might think, the fear of missing out. So we're constantly on Instagram. What am I missing out on? Constantly checking social media. What are people doing that I should be doing? What do they have that I should have? And this fear drives us. It paranoids us. It worries us. It stresses us out. And by the way, worry is one of the leading causes to a lot of the top diseases that kill people in our world. So if we don't deal with worry, if we don't kill worry, worry could kill you. And, and I wanna tell you today, it's time to put fear out of business in your life. Come on, how many of y'all are ready to do that today? It could literally save your life. We talked about some of the biggest fears in the world, but you know, one of the fears that ranks in the top five every year, and, and, and I looked back on several of the, you know, surveys that have been done on what people are most afraid of, not just in America, but all over the world, and one of the biggest universal fears out there is the fear of lack, the fear of running out. And I can't help but think about a song that I remember hearing before I got saved. I got my mind on my money and my money on my mind. Mind on my money and my money on. Come on, how many of y'all remember that song? Come on, where's all my, where's all my, used to be, you know, in the world and now you're saved, you don't listen to Snoop anymore, but come on, where are you at? I got my mind on my money. <laughs> and this is, this is what, this is really how a lot of us are. We don't walk into church with a dollar bill taped to our forehead, but this is how we live. Money is constantly on our mind. How am I gonna pay for what I need and what I want and the church just wants my money and God's trying to rob me and pastors talk about money. I picked the wrong Sunday to come to church. Snap, he's talking about money. <laughs> okay, 
But money is a constant, it's a constant worry in our world. It is. And you know, Jesus had a lot to say about money. In fact, half of the parables that Jesus shared had to do with money. And when pastors or churches don't talk about it, they're robbing you of the teachings of Jesus that are trying to set you up to prosper. God does not want you to be broke. God did not put you on this earth to live as a broken financial person. He puts you on this earth to prosper, to be a blessing to the world and to those around you. That's a good place to say amen. You say, Paul, I don't know about that. Yeah, well, really, from Genesis to Revelation, the whole story, even when the first man, the first woman were created, Adam and Eve, Jesus, God said, take dominion. Take dominion, prosper. You're in charge of this planet. You're in charge of these vegetables, these plants, these animals. This is yours to take dominion and prosper. That was God's plan all along. But what happened? Man had a hard time trusting in God. There was a fear of lack even from Genesis 3. From the beginning, the whisper of the serpent in the ears of Eve was, maybe God's holding something back from you. Maybe what God told you isn't enough. You need more. You are lacking something to make you happy. And so the fear of lack was probably one of the first fears that entered into the world. This fear of, I don't have enough to be happy. I don't have enough to make it. God's not gonna provide for me. He's not really my source. I've gotta figure out how to make enough on my own. I've gotta trust in me. And so Adam and Eve took the apple thinking that somehow what they were lacking was gonna solve their fear of lack. And what did it do? It drove them further into fear. And it went to fear of shame, fear of their secrets being found out and more worry and more panic and more stress and more, more darkness. And throughout the world and throughout the history of the world, the money, the fears of money has been a huge thing that has kept men and women captive, almost in handcuffs, this fear that somehow I'm gonna have more month than I have money at the end of the month to pay for the bills. And I got my mind on my money and money on my mind all the time. But we read in 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us power, love, and a sound mind. Let's say that together. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. This is God's plan for you to live in victory over fear, for you to put fear out of business. And so today I want to talk to you about that fear of lack. And when lack attacks, it's time to strike back. When lack attacks, let's talk about striking back. How do you get the fear of lack out of your life? I'm glad you asked that question. Go to 1 Kings chapter 17. Yes, 1 Kings 17. In verse 7, it says, it so happened after a while that the brook dried up. The brook dried up. Sometimes in your life, the things that you've been getting your provision from, they dry up. The employer says, you're no longer needed here. We're moving you on. We're transitioning you out. We're, we're replacing you. And, and, and so the brook dries up. The thing that you were pulling your resources from, the thing you were counting on to take care of you, the thing that was paying you the most money is suddenly gone. And so it says, when, when the brook dried up, there had been no more rain in the land. There was a famine. God speaks to Elijah. God is always speaking even in the recessions of your life. 
Even when it looks like you're down to nothing, God's up to something. And so it said that God spoke to Elijah. He said, arise. Everybody say, arise. From fear to faith, from lack to abundance, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. See, God had spoken to Elijah. Provision was on the way. The only problem was God didn't speak to the widow yet. <laughs> and so Elijah was headed to someone who he knew was going to provide for him, but she didn't know that she was gonna provide for him. And so he shows up and he sees her and he says, hey, um, uh, could you help me get a glass of water? Could you get me a cup of water? And so she said, sure, I can, I can fetch you a glass of water. That's not a big deal. That's not a huge sacrifice. I can get you some water. There's a well right over there and she's going to get him water, but watch what happens next. In verse 11, as she's going to get him some water, he says, also, could you bring me a morsel of bread? Could you bring me something to eat? Now this, this was gonna cost her something. This was a sacrifice. The water wasn't a huge deal, but the bread, the food, this was a sacrifice. She was gonna feel this. And watch how she reacts when he asks her for something that she was going to sacrificially give to him. She says, hold up, hold up. As surely as your God lives, I don't have what you're asking for. I'm a broke woman. Don't you come asking me for money. Don't you come asking me. Listen, I'm a widow, right? Why are you asking me, a widow, to hook you up? You should go ask somebody else who's got a lot because I got a little, right? And then she says this, not only do I have a little, but the little that I have, I'm keeping for me and my son. It's our last meal and we're gonna die after we eat it. This is as good as it gets. Our life is over because we got more month then we got money to pay for the bills that have been piling up. The creditors are coming, we're in deep debt, and we're not gonna make it. There is a fear of tomorrow, and we won't make it tomorrow. Everybody say fear of lack. This is a huge fear. And if we're really honest in this room, if I was to ask, have you ever had that temptation to be afraid financially in your life, I just, I wanna see by a show of hands, have you ever been tempted uh, with fear in, in this category of lack, financial fear, stress? Okay, almost all of us raised our hands. The rest of you, we're trying to get on your level. You're perfect, we know. We wanna be like you. But the rest of us in this room, we've had those moments, me too. And I remember when I lost my job and, and I was in college and I was trying to figure out how am I gonna pay for the things I need to pay for? And, and sometimes we can get stuck at a closed door and we forget that we serve the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, who has plenty of open doors waiting for us. You might have just lost your job. You might have just lost your provision. You might feel like your source has been taken away from you, but God has more provision for you. Don't get stuck at the closed door. When I was little, my family used to go to the Golden Corral. Come on, how many of y'all remember Golden Corral? Yeah. And man, when we go to Golden Corral or Western Sizzlin' or you know Pizza Hut Buffet, but Golden Corral especially, we would go there and I would go up to the buffet and I'd just start grabbing stuff. Pizza, nachos, chicken, because they got a little bit of everything. You know, tacos, you know, some pork over here and some ribs and corn and mashed potatoes and mac and cheese and you know, green beans to make mommy happy. And, and then I get some apple pies, some ice cream. I was just stacking my plate like a foot tall and I bring it back to the table and my mom and dad would just look at me. <laughs> Paul, why have you stacked your plate so high? 
I'm afraid they're going to run out. <laughs> Paul, it's a buffet. You can go back up and get more. Just get a little and go back. You know, we look like we're savages in here. You just... I mean, my parents were embarrassed with me. I did not look like a civilized child. I looked like Mowgli out of Jungle Book, just eating food. And uh, <laughs> my dad was like, Paul, just, you know, it's a buffet. Dad, I'm afraid that, you know, there's not going to be any more pizza. And it's the chicken, the fried chicken. There's only a few more legs left. I got to get the chicken legs. And, you know, that's, that was the bottom of the mac and cheese bowl. I was scraping and there's not going to be any more. They're going to bring out more. How do you know? And this is what my dad would tell me. I know this is funny to you, but this is spiritual right here. He would say, because they have a limitless supply. They have a limitless supply. And once I realized that Golden Corral had a limitless supply, it changed the way I approached the buffet. <laughs> and can I tell you, we serve a God who's greater than the Golden Corral, who's greater than any buffet you've eaten at, and he has a limitless supply. What does that mean? That means there's no limit to what God can do for you financially. There's no limit. If you've ever been stressed financially, strapped tight, afraid that you aren't going to make it, you need to remind yourself that God owns it all. He has unlimited resources and provision. And when there's a recession here on earth, there's not a recession in heaven. And you can tap into the storehouse of God. Elijah was trying to set this woman free. Here she was thinking God was trying to rob her, and yet God was actually setting her up to prosper with a limitless supply. Watch what Elijah says to her when she says, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't give you anything. I got nothing to give. Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Do not fear. Everybody just say that. Do not fear. He says, go and do as you have said, but set aside something for me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up. In other words, there's going to be an unlimited supply in your life. And he says, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the Lord sends rain on the earth. In other words, if you'll honor God with the first fruits of what you have, God will take care of your worries of lack. I don't know what you're worried about this morning. Maybe you came in with not a worry in the world, or maybe you came in with a thousand worries. Maybe you've been running low in your finances. Maybe things have been tight. Maybe this has been on your mind all week long, and even right now, you're just thinking about it, and you're thinking about it, and you, you can't stop thinking about this. It's time to break the fear of lack off your life. Jesus gives us some principles on how to do that in Matthew chapter 6. Watch this. Matthew chapter 6. And, and in verse 24, Jesus says, you can't serve two masters. And you might say, well, that's good because I don't have any masters, Paul. I'm a free man. And I know you are. But he's not talking about external masters. He's talking about masters of your heart, masters of your soul, what's gripping your heart. And chances are what's gripping your wallet is gripping your heart. What's holding you back on the inside usually has something to do with finances. And right before he talks about serving two masters, he's talking about wealth. In verse 19, he says, don't store up treasures for yourself here on this earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where neither moth nor rust can break in, can, can, can uh, cause it to rust away and thieves can't break in and steal. Jesus was saying everything in this life that you store up for yourself, it's okay to have stuff, but it's not okay for stuff to have you. It's okay for you to have money. You gotta have money. You can't live without money. You wouldn't be here without money, but it's not okay for money to have you. It's okay to own money, but it's not okay for money to own you at the expense that you have nightmares every night and you're worried and you're stressed and you're afraid and your family can feel it because you're constantly living under the fear of lack. And maybe it's because you grew up in a home where you didn't have a whole lot and so you feel like you've gotta fight all your life and work so hard to earn what you've earned and it's all yours. And if you live like that, unintentionally, you've slipped into a spirit of greed and you don't even realize it. You say, no, 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 Paul, that's not greed. Greed is a man living in New York City on Wall Street on the 100th floor of a high-rise building, swimming in cash, that's greed. No, greed is as close to you and I as the cell phone in your pocket. Greed lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma, just like it lives in Wall Street. Greed knocks on the doors of church homes here at Victory, just like it knocks on the, the, the office buildings in Wall Street. Greed is not something that's far away, it's close and it's tempting. And what is greed? Greed is the assumption that everything I own is for my consumption. Greed is the assumption that everything I've made is for me. Everything that I have, my check is for me. And if I feel compassionate, if I'm being generous because I feel sorry for God, then I'll give him something. Because I feel sorry for the church and I think maybe they need some help, I'll give them a little something. If I'm feeling nice, because I'm a nice guy, <laughs> you're so nice, but you're so wrong. Now, if you're not a Christian, this is not, like you don't have to do this unless you just are ready to, to set your life on fire for God and prosper. But if you are a Christian, this isn't a suggestion. Like Jesus is talking directly to his followers. He says, guys, you're gonna miss it if you put your trust in money. Isn't it interesting that all our dollar bills and all our coins say, in God, we trust. And yet, the majority of our nation trust more in the dollar bills and the coins than we do in that word, God. We've made this our God. And there's this idolatry. It sits on the throne of your heart. Your biggest fears spring from what's sitting on the throne of your heart. The fear that's being stirred up inside you is because something has become an idol in your life, whatever it is, and it may not be money. The fear of lack is not just money, it can be anything. I've faced the fear of lack even at times feeling like I'm not good enough, I don't have enough, that I'm not enough, that somehow I'm running short, that when I get up to preach and, and there's these feelings I gotta overcome of the fear of not being enough. But when we put our trust in ourselves, we're gonna constantly feel like we're not enough. We don't have enough. When we put our trust in our money, we're gonna constantly be afraid that it's not enough. But when we put our trust in God, who's more than enough, we don't have a fear about tomorrow. We don't have a worry or stress about how we're gonna make it. Why? Because we put our faith on a solid foundation. I know many of you in this room, you've seen the results of trusting God with your finances. You know what it's like. You know what God can do. How many of you have seen God be faithful in your finances? Come on, look around. That's amazing. So many of us in this room, we know, man, God can do it. God has shown up in your life. Well, I wanna show you just real quickly a testimony of some of my friends who overcame the fear of lack 
and they watched how God provided in their life. Check it out. Hi, my name is Roland Depew, and uh, Kathy and I have been married for 36 years. Uh, we reached a point at one time in our lives, even though we were in ministry, that I was having to work extra jobs, and, and uh, but we were just having trouble you know, getting all the bills paid. I remember one time in particular after we moved here, there was a whole bunch of expenses that came in, and we were getting in debt, and we never had that problem before, and I just took a stand that day that we, it was over. We were not going to keep losing our money because of the enemy. And then Roland came up with this idea. I said, you know, we need to tithe on the amount that we need to make. And so instead of cutting back our giving, we just decided to give more. And we started giving more than we'd ever given before. There came a time when uh, my main job actually gave us a significant increase. We were able to meet most of our needs that way. and I wasn't having to work so many jobs and wasn't having to do those things. And one of my part-time jobs was I was teaching at Southern Arkansas University. And the university called me and said, we need you to teach another class. I had not been teaching for a while. Uh, they said, we need you to teach another class. And of course, what they paid me for that, to teach that one class was enough to, to meet all the needs and to, to supply what we needed for that, that time period. And during that time, you know, God sent me to college to start preparing so that I had been a stay-home mom for a long time and my skills in the office had become out of date because, you know, the computer became of age during that time that I was having my kids. And so I went to college and I started studying how to do accounting on the computer and just how to use a computer. And so that was another answer to prayer as I was able to go to school debt-free and I uh, graduated and started working and that also helped it and it was always a job that was flexible that worked with our ministry and with the children. Things changed when we made that commitment to give above our tithe and uh, to give even more and, and that was a very personal individual decision. I, I'm not suggesting that everybody has to do it the same way. But when we did, we became much more generous in, in every area of our lives. Some people say, I don't make enough to tithe but honestly, I feel like I don't make enough not to tithe because God blesses the, us in so much when we do tithe. It's the same for everyone. Uh, you know, 10% of a little is 10%. 10% of a lot is still just 10%. I just believe that God has always got a way to, to meet every need and He just does that. If we'll, be, if we'll honor Him, he'll, he'll honor His Word. Come on, that is so good, so powerful. And Roland and Kathy, they were just in our last service. She serves in the, she volunteers in our uh, deaf ministry and doing sign language every week. And it's amazing just to see that testimony played out in their life. You know, I heard this story about a couple in, in, in a church where the wife was the chief moneymaker. She was the breadwinner in the home and she really kind of held it over her husband's head that she made more than him and she brought in a lot. She also had this kind of lack mindset just, you know, that money was for them and that they didn't really have enough to spare to help God or help other people. And so she, you know, saw all the money as theirs. And one day she got this bright idea. She was going to invest all their savings and they had saved $200,000. And she decided she was going to invest it in a stock, this specific stock. And in one week, the entire $200,000 was gone. She lost it all. And she didn't tell her husband that she had done it. So after she lost it all, she was devastated, heartbroken. That was their savings. That was what they were gonna use for a lot of things that they had been dreaming and believing for. 
And for her, it was everything because money was everything to her. It was her God, it was her idol. Even though she was a Christian, went to church, money was just so important to her. And money is important, but when it's too important, it marks your life with fear and anxiety so much. And so here she was, she was crippled and paralyzed by this loss of their savings. She calls her parents because there's things they're having to pay for and her parents you know, basically had to bail them out, help them financially. And she decided she, you know, she had to tell her husband. She knew he was gonna find out very soon. So she, she called him and she said, honey, I am so sorry. She's weeping. She just says, I, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a failure. I'm a failure as a wife and I, I messed up big time. I lost all of our money. I lost all our savings. You know what her husband said to her? He said, honey, it's just money. That's a really nice husband right there. That's the kind of husband you wanna marry, single ladies. He said, babe, we'll get it back. It's not our God. God's our provider. You know what? Today, they're financially stronger than they were before, but they, they changed their lifestyle. Yeah, praise God. Their marriage has stayed intact, it's stronger, but money almost ripped them apart. You know, a cause of so many divorces is money problems, finances, my money, my money. I wanna do what I wanna do with my money. And when money owns you, when it masters you, when it holds you, God's not trying to trap you. He's not trying to handcuff you. He's not trying to make you broke. He's trying to prosper you. You know, I've seen a lot of rich people that have no fears at all. And I've seen poor people that have tons of fears, fears of lack. But then I've seen wealthy people that are miserable and super afraid. And then I've seen poor people that are joyful and have no fear of lack. It's not about how much money's in your bank account. It's what you do with the money you have. It's how you handle it. Wealth can have some side effects. Wealth can have side effects. If you don't handle it right, wealth can plague your soul with fear and worry that someone's gonna take it, someone's taking advantage of you, God's trying to rob you, all these things. When you have money, and by the way, everyone in this room and everyone that's watching online, you don't even realize it, but you are so rich compared to a lot of people in the world. America is a small country compared to nations around the world. There's only 300 million people in America. And in China, there's 1.3 billion people, four times the amount of people in that nation. And then in India, 1.3 billion. There's, did you know half of the world, more than half of the world lives on less than $3 a day? That means their annual salary is about $1,000. And sometimes in our world, if we were just to go to a, a place of poverty and express our financial stress, they would just look at you and go, are you kidding me? I got nothing, but I got joy and I got peace and I'm not afraid of tomorrow. Wealth can have side effects if you don't know how to view it. Billy Graham was traveling and doing crusades with his wife, Ruth Graham. This was several years ago. They were in the Caribbean islands and this wealthy man, one of the top 10 wealthiest guys in the world at that time, invited them to one of his mansions. He had a mansion on the islands. And so Billy Graham and Ruth Graham went there to have lunch with him. And the man starts crying. He says, I, I've never really gone to church. I'm not a church going guy, but I've, I've seen you on the newspapers. I've heard about your large ministry crusades around the US and he said I wanted to meet you and I wanted to tell you something he said outside is my yacht and it's a multi-million dollar yacht millions of dollars for that yacht he said down the road I have a jet 
It's just one of several jets that I own. He said, I have mansions all over the world and some of the nicest places in the world. But he said, I am as miserable as H-E double hockey sticks. He said, I am a miserable man. He said, my money has not solved any of my problems. And he said, and I'm stressed. I'm stressed and I'm worried that someone's gonna steal it. And so Billy and Ruth, they prayed for that man and they talked to him about what I'm sharing with you today because wealth has side effects and, and the spirit of lack attacks even the wealthiest of people. If you don't know how to view your money, if money is your God, it's constantly gonna mark your life with anxiety and stress. It'll be your biggest fear. You won't be afraid of spiders or snakes or terrorist attacks, but you'll be afraid of lack. And today is your day to put fear out of business. On that same trip, they went down the street and they found this older gentleman who had been living on the Caribbean islands for several years. He was a missionary. And he worked two or three part-time jobs to be able to stay there and minister to the people. And he lived in a really small hut. He was so joyful. And he said, I don't have hardly any money, but I'm the happiest man on the island. And Billy turned to his wife and he said, which one do you think is richer? Which one do you think is richer? You tell me. Because money doesn't solve your problems. If you don't know how to view money, it will constantly bring you stress. My parents taught us at a young age how to view our money. And people that are mastered by the fear of lack, they have an upside down way of living and, and, and bringing in their finances. Here's how they prioritize their life. Number one, it's to live. It's to, it's to spend all their money. If we can show that, it's to spend. When money comes in, I gotta spend it on me first. It's what can I take care of me first. Secondly, it's gotta save for me. So me first and me second, I gotta save for me. And last, whatever I have left is gonna go to charity. If I'm feeling generous, I'll give whatever's at the bottom of the bucket, I'll give it to God. And this is how a lot of people live that are mastered by the fear of lack. It's me first, me second, gotta save for me. And then lastly, I'll give something to God. If I'm feeling generous, if, you know, if, if, if church is nice and I get the emotional feelings, I might give God something. Hmm. And it masters you. But Jesus teaches us to turn it upside down. The kingdom of God, the key to prosperity is not by hoarding it to yourself. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. Proverbs eleven twenty four. the wisest man in the world says the world of the generous only gets bigger, but the world of the stingy, if you keep it to yourself, it gets smaller and smaller. So Jesus teaches us to turn it upside down. And this is what my parents taught me. This is what mentors like Andy Stanley and, and other people in my life, Jensen Franklin, have taught. And as a kid, I've, I've learned the key. Even as a young boy, when, when, when I would mow lawns or bag leaves, it was give first. My dad would give us a, you know, a $5 bill and he'd say, what are you going to do with it? And I'd say, I'm going to keep it. It's mine. I'm putting that in my pocket. My dad would say, pull it back out. Okay. He'd say, who gave it to you? You did, dad. No, who gave it to you? You did, Dad. No, I was just the vessel. God used me to get it to you. I'm just a vessel. My dad didn't view anything as his own. My mom and dad, they, they viewed everything they had as if it was God's and that they were just vessels. And you know what? I've never seen them lack a day in their life. Have we gone through tight times? Have we lost a lot of things over the years? Yeah. 
things that were so valuable to me at one time. I remember for Christmas, I got a robot from Walmart. It was a cool little robot. It was, you know, like $40 and it wasn't like an actual human robot. It was just a small little robot. And Grand Grand bought it for me and it was so valuable to me. But did you know just five, six years later, it ended up in a garage sale and it sold for like 25 cents. I'm sorry, Grand Grand. But <laughs> I've kept a lot of other gifts that she's given me. But this is what happens when you keep stuff to yourself and you think it's all, it, it, at the end of your life, everything ends up in garage sales anyways. The greatest investment we can make with our money is not on us, it's on God's kingdom. And so when, when, when we get a five, my dad would say, okay, 10%, Paul, this was a tithe. This is what the word of God teaches, not the commandments of Moses. It, it came before Moses. It started with Abraham in Genesis 12, a tithe to God. This wasn't under the law. Jesus talked about it in the New Testament, not as a, as a law that was legalistic, but as a starting point of trusting God with your finances. And so 10% of a five was what? Math, math question, 50 cents. So my dad would say, put 50 cents in the giving jar. All right, now, how do you break the fear of lack? Put 50 cents towards saving. Before you go and spend everything, go ahead and put some. This is gonna go up and down. This is gonna help you on rainy days. This is the 80%. This is what you live on. This is to pay your bills. This is to take care of the things you want. But this is the greatest investment you can make with your finances. At a young age, me, John, Sarah, and Ruthie, we learned the master mastery of our money. Instead of being strapped by the fear of lack, we were learning how to trust God in our finances, right? And, and this is something parents, you can teach your children. You say, why would I want to teach them that? Why would I want to teach them how to be generous? I want to teach them how to keep it all to themselves. No, you don't. Because one day it's going to come back to bite you. It's going to come back to bite you. You say, well, Paul, it's my money. It's their money. If you live like that, not only are you robbing God, you're robbing yourself. And you're gonna constantly live in the fear of lack that you won't have enough. But man, something happens when you dethrone that idolatry of money. You just pull it off the throne. You say, money, you don't own me. 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 You don't own me. I'm not living under the fear of lack any longer something happens, it breaks you free. And God wants to do that for you today. I love how Elijah finishes the story as she trusted God. Once that woman that Elijah was talking to, as she trusted God and helped in that situation, something happened in her life. She had a limitless supply. Malachi 3 says, bring the tithe into the storehouse. Trust me in this. Test me in this. Watch what God will do. Something happens when you stop trusting in money as your God and you stop start trusting in God, God starts filling this tank up. God starts filling this tank up. You cannot outgive God. You cannot do it. And I know you get this, but I feel in my heart just to share one last story with you. And before I do, let me just finish the last part of Jesus's teaching on money. In Matthew 6, he says, don't worry about tomorrow, what you will wear what you will eat, what you will drink. Is not life more important than food? Isn't the body more important than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, he says. God takes care of the birds. Aren't you more valuable than them? 
He says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about tomorrow. Look at the lilies in the fields. God clothes them. God knows what you need. The pagans, they seek and they search. And who are the pagans? It's the people that don't believe there's a God. They don't believe there is anything after this life. So everything is for this life. It's, it's all for right now. And there's no point to leave a legacy. And there's no point to be remembered as a generous person. And there's nothing that we should give towards because there's no eternity. That's what pagans think, that money's all for right now for them. But God says, don't live like that because they don't realize that there is an afterlife. There's something beyond this earth. And so Jesus says, here's how you break fear of lack. Here's how you put the fear of lack out of business in your life. When lack attacks, strike back by seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything that you're lacking, everything you don't have, God's gonna take care of your needs. Come on, Jesus, that's powerful. I remember 10 years ago, this exact month, I was a senior at Oral Roberts University. Come on, ORU, right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And something bad happened in our university. It was all over the news. And all of a sudden, it looked like the university wasn't gonna make it. It came out in the news that our, our university was $52 million in debt. My dad was placed as the interim president at the university during that time. And I remember as a student, as a senior, the fear, the fear of tomorrow, the fear, the fear of what's gonna happen was plaguing our whole campus. It was like a cloud of heavy depression was sitting on the university. Students were dropping left and right leaving our university and professors were telling us, I remember several professors coming and saying, you need to see if you can transfer to Evangel or Liberty or Regent or John Brown University because your degree is not gonna count. This university is closing down. The professors were telling us this. And man, I was sitting there as a senior, just what? And they said, chances are you're only gonna have one third of your credits transfer into those universities. So you're gonna have to take over some classes. And I was, I was angry, I was upset, I was afraid, I was, and then my dad was in that position and he was in such a tough position because everyone was kind of just looking at him as the one that was gonna be there as the ship went down. And the senior class was just plagued with fear and anger and questions. And I even went to my parents, I said, what are we gonna do? Do I need to transfer? Do I need to go to another university? They said, no, we need to pray. We need to pray. God is still on the throne. So I'm walking through the prayer gardens of our university. I'm walking on the soil and the land that was built with the spirit of faith by a man named Oral Roberts who trusted in God with the power of his seed. And he kept reading these scriptures and, and writing books about how as a farmer plants seeds, harvest will come. Though it tarries, wait for it, the harvest will come. But I'm, I'm weeping and then I find out during this time, the biggest reason I went to ORU, the biggest reason I went to the, the school was there was a scholarship that I got right before my freshman year and that was the biggest reason. And guess what? In that moment, that fall, it was taken away my senior year. And they said, you're gonna have to pay back every penny of the four years you've been here. More than $80,000. We didn't have that money. And here I am more afraid and more mad. And I'm going to my parents going, what are we going to do? I couldn't sleep at night. I was paralyzed with panic. 
And when you're in those situations, you can't see a bright future. You can't see light at the end of the tunnel. All you see is darkness. Anybody ever been there before in your life? And anyone who's been there, you know what I'm talking about. It is a crippling feeling. And yet my parents just kept praying, God, we need a miracle. We need a miracle for Paul, but more importantly, we need a miracle for this university because it's God's university. This is God's university. It's interesting how in the story of Elijah and the widow, these two people didn't even know each other. There was no connections. Why would God pick a widow in Zarephath? And why would God pick this prophet to be connected to a widow and her son? And why would this divine relationship happen? All because God had a plan of provision. And sometimes his plans of provision come from left field. So my dad gets a phone call in late November, early December. And this guy is talking to my dad on the phone. He's never been to ORU, didn't graduate from ORU, had no connections to ORU, didn't have any kids at ORU. But he says, hey, Billy Joe, I, I just can't stop thinking about this school. And I'm seeing things in the paper and my heart grieves for these students. And, and I see that you're in this position of, of, of president. I, I wanna talk to you about what we can do. Well, this guy happened to own a little store called Hobby Lobby. You might've heard of it. They got a few around the world. I mean, around our country. Until you've been at a place of extreme lack, you'll never know how amazing God's provision is. But for those of you that have, you know what I'm talking about. And for those of you in this room that you're still trusting in your money, I warn you, you're headed for a crash. I know you're rich. I know you got everything you need and you think your money made it all happen. But if you don't put God first, at some point, you're gonna come to the bottom of the barrel and you're gonna need God's help because you'll turn left and you'll turn right. You'll look all around and no one can fix your, your money problems like God can. He is Jehovah Jireh. And when you call on God, God will show up. He will because he loves you and he's faithful. Even when you're faithless, he's faithful. That's how good he is. But if you know you're gonna need God's help at some point down the road, why not start today? Why not invite God into your finances right now? So David Green comes and he says, I got something for the school. And he brings this check, $70 million from Mark Green and David Green. <laughs> $70 million paid off all the debt at ORU and then some. And today, 10 years later, ORU is doing better than it's ever done before. It's healthier financially than it's ever been. And it's an amazing university. But I got even better news. At least it was better news for me. I thought I was gonna be in student loans for a long time. That same year, God showed up for my mom and dad, for my scholarship, for the stuff that we had to pay for. It was covered by God's grace, by his provision. It was paid for that year. And it wasn't from the Green family, it was from something else. God knows how to get it to you if he knows he can get it through you. You say, how do I tap into that unlimited buffet of God's provision? I'm telling you, the medicine is painful if, if money is your God. 
The answer is painful if money sits on the throne of your heart. But if you can dethrone it and say, you know what, money doesn't own me. It's not gonna grip my life anymore. It's not gonna stir up fear like it has in the past. I'm gonna start giving to God a tithe, a tithe. And I'm gonna stop acting like God doesn't, doesn't own my money. I'm gonna stop acting greedy. I'm gonna start trusting in Him. During that time, our family kept giving even when we were going through lack, as the university looked like it was closing down, we kept giving. Why? Because there's power in your seed. Even during the desert seasons, even in the dark seasons, there's power in your seed when you know who your source is and God will provide all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So right now, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to give to God. And today, I dare you to trust him. I dare you to take God at his word. I dare you to just lean in and say, I'm going to give God a percentage percentage of my income. What if you started today? What if you started today and you say, Paul, I can't do 10%, but I, I could do maybe 2%. Well, it's going to be hard for you to even feel 2%. What if you did 5%? What if you just started somewhere? Give God something to work with. In every miracle in the Bible, God used people in the miracles. God used what was in man's hand, what was in the widow's hand. Use what you have to trust God. Work hard, be a good steward, but trust God for the increase in the harvest. There's envelopes at the end of the row, and if you wanna give today, awesome. Don't give out of compulsion, only give if you're in here today and you know, you know what? I need to put money in its right place. I need to trust God with my finances. I need to break the spirit of fear and lack off my life. I'm moving from lack to abundance, from fear to faith. In Jesus' name. Some of you today, you're not taking an envelope because you've signed up for online giving. And that's incredible. You're doing it online. So you're like, Paul, I'm already, I'm already doing this. I've not just taught my kids this, but when I, when I get a check, when it comes in, the top of my increase goes to God first. Then I put some away for savings and then I use the rest to live on. You're doing it online. Or maybe you do it through the text to give thing and you're starting at a young age. I did it as a, a young boy and as a teenager and as a single through college. Then when Ashley and I got married, we decided we weren't going to increase the standard of our living unless we increase the standard of our giving. And so instead of increasing our standard of living, we started increasing our giving. We started making giving goals. Instead of money goals of how much we wanted to get, we started making goals of how much we wanted to give. And every year we've gotten stronger and stronger. So I asked Ashley two weeks ago, because I was thinking, you know, where are we at? How are we doing on our goal? We set a big goal this year above our tithe that we wanted to sow towards. And I would never preach on a message that I'm not living out or applying in my own life. So Ashley and I, we, we set goals. I said, how are we doing, honey? So she checked our statements. She's going on our giving records. We have already surpassed our goal and we still got three months left. That excites me that we can give more before the year is over than we've ever given before. And I don't say that to brag. I say that to say, guys, as your pastor, this isn't even about victory. In fact, today, you don't even have to give to this church, but I just encourage you, give to some church, give to the kingdom of God, you say, why should I do it? Number one, it'll break the idolatry of money off your life and the fear of lack. But number two, there is a blessing connected to God's kingdom that you can't get by holding on to something. The world of the generous gets larger and larger and larger and larger. And when I look across the street at ORU and I look at this campus here and the room you're sitting in, it's because people like you and I 
decided I'm going to trust God with my finances and I'm going to help build the kingdom of God in Tulsa and beyond. And because of your generosity, we've been able to help a lot of people, especially in these last few months with hurricane relief down in Texas. Thousands of people have been helped because of your generosity. We've been helping churches down there, ministries down there, getting people cleared out of all the storm damage. Down in Florida, we've been able to bring food and all the, the, the resources that they've needed. Thousands of dollars have been sent to Puerto Rico, the, the people that were affected by the uh, hurricanes in Puerto Rico, and then to Mexico where the earthquake was in Mexico. Mexico, your finances go further through the kingdom of God than they could go just on your own. I'm telling you, there's power when we get connected to God's kingdom and his storehouse. Lord, I pray for every person in this room. And I pray, God, that today the spirit of lack is broken off of this church, off of every person that has decided to follow you. And I thank you, God, you're moving us from fear to faith, from lack to being a blessing for you, God. Lord, we know that if you can get it through us, you will get it to us so that we can be a blessing to those that are less fortunate, so that we can help those that are in need. God, so that we can help those that are hurting. And God, I pray that we would live with a generous soul. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're faithful. You're providing seed to the sower. And I thank you for every person in this room that needs a breakthrough. God, that as they're releasing their faith, their seed today, that today is a new day in their life, in their journey of faith that fear is losing its grip on their finances. In Jesus' name, let's worship God today as we give.
you need a miracle in your finances. Maybe you're here and you're watching or you're watching online and you say, Paul, that story about ORU, that's what I need in my life. I need a miracle. I need a breakthrough. I'm down to nothing. I don't even know if I can afford Christmas this year for my family. Maybe you're here today and you say, Paul, I'm, I'm at a low point financially. I'm stretched and I feel strapped and I feel tight and there's worry and fear that's trying to plague me. Today is your day to break the spirit of lack off your life, the spirit of fear, to lose its power off of your heart and your mind. All over this room, if you need a breakthrough in your finances, I want you to just leave your seat. Come and join me at this altar. I'm right here with you. Today, you're saying I'm moving from fear to faith. I'm believing God that this year, before 2017 is over, I'm gonna see a breakthrough in my finances. Maybe you're a husband and wife, maybe you're a father and a daughter, maybe you're a mother and a son, maybe you're here all by yourself, but today you're saying, I need a breakthrough in my finances. I need, to, I need to see God move in my life. Financially, I am stretched, I'm, I'm worried, I'm stressed today. Break that worry off your life. In Jesus' name, this is an invitation for anyone, anyone who says, I need to break the spirit of fear of lack off my life, the fear of money, the worry of running out, the worry of losing what I have. Come on, let's sing a song of faith. Let faith arise.
Is there anyone else here today that you say, Paul, for me, it's not a fear of lack, but if I'm honest, there's this fear that, that I'm not enough. Not that my money, but it's, it's me. There's this fear of inadequacy on the inside. Maybe you're here today and you've just battled with the fear of lack about yourself feeling like you don't measure up, you're not qualified, you're inferior to others. Maybe you've lacked confidence, maybe you've lacked boldness, maybe you've lacked just that, that, that identity that you have in Christ. And you're here today and you say, I need that. I need to get that back in my heart. I've been walking around with the feeling of lack in who I am. And if that's you, I just feel to invite you down to the altar today, today just to get your confidence back, to get your boldness back, to get your identity back in Christ that insecurity will not mark your life any longer in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today and you say, Paul, I need to get things right with God. I'm not right with God. If Jesus was to return today, I don't know if my name's written in the book of life. I wanna go to heaven. I wanna follow Jesus. I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of having one foot in the church and one foot in the world. I'm ready today to surrender to Christ. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand up. Maybe you're at the altar, maybe you're not. Maybe you're watching online. Here we go, one, two, three. If today's your day, just lift your hand. You're saying, I'm surrendering to Jesus today. Come on, hands going up all over the room, yes. Yes, 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 right here in the front, right here on the side. Any back there you're saying today, I'm, I'm ready to surrender to Jesus. The greatest decision you could make is to follow Jesus. Man, He loves you so much. Lord, I thank you that today is a day of salvation. For many in this room, today is a day of freedom from fear fear of lack, financial lack, relational lack, whatever that lack is in their life, that today they're moving from lack to abundance, that you're filling the gaps in their life. You're filling those areas where they feel like they come up short. And I thank you that today, God, you're setting people free from that mastery of money in their life, that they're dethroning money from their heart. Today, they're walking in victory. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I surrender to you. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. Be my Lord and Savior. I repent of sin and I receive your forgiveness. You are my source, my provider. Fear, you have no place in my life. Fear of lack, you have no place in my heart. I am blessed through Jesus to be a blessing for His kingdom. I have more than enough. I am more than enough. Through Christ who strengthens me, my source, my provider, I'm all yours, God. And all I have is yours. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, today's a new day in your heart, in your life. I love you. Thank you for listening to Victory with Paul Doherty. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services. Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Remember, your best days are right in front of you.